This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Do you want to learn even more about dyslexia and how students with dyslexia learn how to read? Do you want to have a better understanding of special education terminology, the advantages of dyslexia, and how to help your child with dyslexia? For a limited time, you can sign up for lifetime access to my Understanding Dyslexia online course with a special 20% discount just for my dyslexia-devoted listeners. This course is only open to new participants from now until Thanksgiving 2022. Then I'm closing it down and preparing for my new course opening later this winter. So sign up today while it's still available using the link in this episode description and the promo code PODCAST for 20% off. I hope to see you there. Hello, and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Have you ever talked to a child with dyslexia about self-advocacy? Welcome to episode 21 of Dyslexia Devoted. And today we're focusing on why teaching children with dyslexia how to self-advocate is so essential. Let's jump right in. Why do kids need to self-advocate? Well, one of the biggest reasons is that dyslexia is often misunderstood. In order to have teachers and other people understand how to help a child with dyslexia, they have to understand how it affects them. Many think it's seeing letters backward or moving on a page, but it isn't. And dyslexia has a lot of different struggles associated with it that go far beyond just reading, such as ADHD, spelling, multi-step directions, mixing up the order of daily tasks and routines, learning new languages, processing time. It can come out in so many different ways, depending on the child. Students need to advocate how their dyslexia affects them specifically. Dyslexia falls on a continuum, and students need to be able to speak up so their teacher knows when or how their dyslexia is affecting them in the classroom. Now, many times, parents and special educators will often advocate for a child with dyslexia in their general classrooms. But there's one problem with that. You can't help them forever. You can't be there to save them every time they struggle. Self-advocacy teaches kids to take care of themselves, not just now, but in the future. They're going to have dyslexia for their whole life. It's easier to teach them now when they're young how to self-advocate because even in high school, it's not normal for your parent to go to the school and talk to the teacher for you. By the time you reach high school, you're expected to speak up for yourself. So if you can start now practicing self-advocacy when they're young, then as they get older, it gets easier. But don't worry, it's never too late. You can still teach a kid how to self-advocate no matter how old they are. Most importantly, self-advocacy empowers people with dyslexia to take charge of their own lives. If they're struggling, they have the power to ask for what they need and to be successful. Last but not least, self-advocacy is important because accommodations are an essential part of success. And unfortunately, most students won't get their accommodations unless they ask for them. It's not that teachers don't care, but with so many different needs in one classroom, it's easy to get distracted by the 8 million other things that need to be addressed. Education has changed a lot, and most schools are short on substitutes. Teachers have to sub for other classes on their breaks. Many teachers don't even get a lunch break some days, and it's easy for important things like accommodations to get lost in the shuffle. 
Students need to know what their accommodations are so they can ask for them, because most teachers will gladly give a student their accommodations if they ask for them and they know that the student needs the help. Let me give you an example of something that happened just this week when a student did not self-advocate in my office, and I think it'll give you a better understanding of what could happen when a student doesn't speak up. So the student and I were working on a math page with decimals, and we switch from doing a subtraction page to a multiplication page. Yes, I know, I'm a reading teacher, but I have a couple kids whose learning differences extend into math because multi-step problems are often really hard for dyslexics. Anyway, the child got stuck on the multiplication problem, and I took their paper away to copy it on my whiteboard and help them with their steps. The student seemed to have a better understanding of the skill and started working quietly on some independent problems. I saw them starting to get frustrated and checked in with them, and they insisted that they were fine and that they could do it on their own. A minute later, they were in tears, full-blown tears streaming down their face. Not one time did this sixth grader ask me for help, despite the fact that they're being in my office in a one-on-one setting devoted entirely to helping them as much as they need. It turned out he was trying to multiply the problems from the subtraction page, and I had forgotten to hand him back his multiplication paper. So he accidentally started doing multiplication on the subtraction page that was left over from our warm-up still sitting on the table. Since he insisted he didn't need help, I didn't know he had the wrong paper. I ended up using this moment to teach him about self-advocacy and how important it is to ask for help when you need it, and to pay attention to the symbols on math pages, because that also was a pretty big detail here is not paying attention to the details. But we had a really great heart-to-heart about how I'm not here to torture him. I'm here to make school easier. But if he doesn't speak up, I have no idea he needs help. I can't read binds, and neither can his teachers. So we use this as a much-needed lesson on how to ask for help when you need it. Because if you can't ask for help in a one-on-one setting, there's no way you're going to ask for help in front of all your friends. We got to start with baby steps. So let's take a look. What does self-advocacy look like? Well, self-advocacy can take many forms. Here are just a few examples. The class is supposed to start reading a new novel. The student asks to have it added to their Learning Ally account so they can listen to the audiobook. Quick fix, but the odds are the teacher wouldn't have remembered to do it if the student hadn't asked. Another example, there's an essay assignment and the kids are supposed to be working on it in class to get some of the work done and not have it all as homework. The student with dyslexia may ask to sit in the hallway or some other appropriate place to use speech to text in a quiet setting. A third example, if there's a time test, the student might ask, when is a good time to finish using my extended time? Oftentimes, students with extended time can't actually do it all in one setting. They have the time until their class ends, and then they have to come back at a designated time to get the rest of their extended time to finish their assessment. But they need to ask for it, otherwise they're handing in an incomplete test, and that doesn't work out so well. Now, the last example is the toughest one, but it is the ultimate sign that a student is becoming a strong self-advocate and that they are able to admit when something is too hard and if they need help and a modification to their assignment. And we want that student to be able to speak up and say, hey, excuse me, this is too difficult. My dyslexia makes it so I'm not able to do this yet. Can I please do... XYZ instead. And this is often the most challenging for a kid to admit that it's too hard. Most of the time, they will fake it till they make it and not let anybody know that they are struggling. So this is the ultimate sign that a student has really learned to self-advocate is when they can speak up and say, this is too hard, this is too much. And now that one takes a long time to get there. So let's start with the easy stuff like accommodations and including a quiet place to work. All right, now you might be wondering, where do we start? The first thing is to make sure that the child knows that they have dyslexia. They can't self-advocate for the dyslexia if they don't know they have it. Many parents fear giving their kids a label because they're worried about the stigma surrounding having a label of a learning difference. But the truth is, most kids are so relieved to know that they have dyslexia and that there's a reason why they learn differently. 
I actually had a brand new student that I started working with this week who bounced into my office and was so excited to learn more about her dyslexia. She just learned two weeks ago that she has dyslexia and is squeezing in some extra sessions whenever I can scrounge them up in my schedule. And she was dying to know how dyslexia makes her learn differently. She had so many different questions about why her brain works differently, and what it looks like, and how long it takes to remediate dyslexia, and what other things are involved in dyslexia. And it was so amazing to hear her get excited about having dyslexia. And she knew other people in her family had dyslexia, but in her words, I never thought it would happen to me though. And so she knew what dyslexia was, but a lot of kids don't. And it's important that they learn how it affects them because that's how they can start self-advocating. They need to know that they have dyslexia and how it affects their learning. So it's important to determine how does it affect this specific child? It Does it come out on paper anytime they're doing a writing assignment and their thoughts are all jumbled? Does it come out mostly in their spelling? Is it hard for them in history because they can't remember all the specific names of the different people in history? So it's important to think about how it affects each individual child because it doesn't always happen the same for each person. Each person learns differently and that's a great thing, but you have to look at What are the exact differences so that you can advocate appropriately for them? Next, you need to teach the child what their accommodations are and how to use them. Telling them that they're allowed to use audiobooks, but not teaching them how to work the audiobook app, that's a problem. So the students need to know what their accommodations are, such as extended time, audiobooks, speech to text, but then they also need to be taught how to use them independently. Most of the time, there will not be an extra adult around to help them use their accommodations. They need to know how to do it all on their own because... We don't want these kids with dyslexia learning to rely on other people. They need to know how to rely on themselves because it makes them feel better. They feel so powerless when they always need help all the time. We need to teach them how to not need help from other people, that they have the power to do so much all on their own. Next, give them examples of ways to politely ask for their accommodations and role play how to do it if needed. Sometimes kids are like, hey, give me this. And you're not going to get that if you ask like that. So we need to remind them you catch more flies with honey and ask them different ways that they can role play how they might ask for help depending on different situations. Kids need to know how to ask for their accommodations, but to do it in a way that gets them what they want, not in a way that annoys whoever they're asking. Last, but definitely not least, let them know that you are there to support them if they've asked for accommodations and they aren't getting them. This happens less often. There are definitely cases where I've ran into teachers who don't believe in dyslexia and they refuse to give accommodations or they think the accommodations are a form of cheating. So sometimes parents really do need to step in, but that shouldn't be the first step. The first step should be the student asking for what they need and then parents stepping in if necessary. All right, let's recap today's episode. First, dyslexia is essential so students get the accommodations and the support that they need. They can't get help if they don't ask for it. And most importantly, they can't get help if they don't admit that they need it. Self-advocacy can take many forms, including asking for extended time, audiobooks, and quiet work settings. Ultimately, students should be able to admit when something is hard and ask for help, but that usually happens last on the self-advocacy roadmap. And then we ended the episode with talking about how you can get started with teaching self-advocacy. It all starts with kids knowing about their dyslexia, how it affects them specifically, what their accommodations are, and how to politely ask to have their needs met. And then we talked about how parents should first have the students self-advocate, but if that doesn't work, then parents may need to step in to make sure that the accommodations and needs are being met for a student if they've asked for help, but they're not getting it. Hopefully that doesn't happen too much. A few episodes ago, I shared a conversation guide to help guide your conversations with educators about dyslexia. That guide is a great complement to the topics that we covered today. And while we focus mostly 
on students advocating for their own dyslexia. Sometimes it does require a parent to do some of the legwork along the way, and this guide will help get you started. Find the link in the show description to download your free guide today. That's all for now. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Join us for our next episode by subscribing to this podcast as we devote each episode to different aspects of dyslexia. See you next time.